You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. This is no ordinary Sunday. It's the Feast of the Assumption of Mary, Mother of God, the Immaculate Conception, into heaven, body and soul. Perhaps it seems sort of odd at first why we would go out of our way, even on a Sunday, to celebrate this feast. And we're talking about something specific to Mary, which is always a little bit divisive between Catholics and, and our Protestant brothers and sisters. And it's also something that, in the end, is all of our destiny, to be resurrected body and soul, new heavens and new earth. So why go out of our way to talk about how Mary got to experience that first? doesn't seem like something that's worth fighting about. But, And there's only been two examples of the Holy Father declaring a doctrine ex cathedra, which means so from the throne of Peter, uh, outside the context of an ecumenical council, a gathering of all the bishops. The first came in 1858 when Pope Pius IX declared the Immaculate Conception in his bull Ineffabilus Deus. And the second came today, almost 100 years later, 1950, when Pope Pius XII declared the Assumption of Mary in the Apostolic Constitution, Munificentissimus Deus, which is a hard word to say, had to practice that one a little bit. But the story of today's moment is kind of amazing. Pope Pius XII must have been someone who was big on putting on a show. He, He chose to promulgate this doctrine by literally reading that bull in the Saint, in the in the square of St. Peter's. So it's like it became the teaching of the church as he read the words. I met some people who were there and they said it was sort of an eerie and beautiful moment. That like as he was reading this doctrine out, it seemed as though something was changing. So why what makes these two doctrines, they almost seem obscure actually in the whole context of the church. What makes them so crucial and unique that they need to be proclaimed in such a unique way? Why should we care so much that Mary was immaculately conceived or that she was assumed into heaven? So for today, I want to talk about the assumption. We can wait until December to talk about the immaculate conception. You know, there's a church in the Holy Land that I've, I've spoken about before in the context of St. Joseph, who's buried there. It's called the Dormition of Mary. And the tradition is in that church is that the slab kind of down in the central portion of the church is where she was laying at the end of her life, surrounded by the apostles, and where she died and then was assumed in that moment, you know, body and soul, into heaven. Why is this moment important to us? Because it actually seems to anyone outside the Catholic Church that we're sort of obsessed with Mary. You know, one of my coworkers, when I was in the Forest Service, once she found out I was Catholic, you know, she traveled the world a lot, and she'd say, "Man, you Catholics are, are just obsessed with virgins. There's hundreds of them everywhere I go around the world. They put flowers before their pictures. They carry them through the streets. They take them out on boat rides." I was like, I was confused for a second. I was like, and then I realized she's just talking about Mary. She'd just seen hundreds of different images of Mary. So I was like, "There's only one. It's just Mary." Uh, 
And then that confused her even more. She's like, how's that possible? You know, somewhere, you know, I, I, go, I go visit one place and, you know, the, she's black. I visit another and she's white. And then one, she's sort of indigenous. And one, she's East Asian. I'm like, well, that's Mary for you. <laughs> Why is it that she's ever present in every culture, in every place, uh, that we sort of claim her as our own? And rightly so, but why, why do we do so? There's no fewer than 20 feasts for Mary in the liturgical calendar. 20 feasts of varying solemnity. I think the answer, the answer to this question of why we love Mary so much is, I think, most fundamentally found in the gospel today. Elizabeth comprehends it right away. She says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does it happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, Mary is the mother of God. The single most important human being ever born. It's not St. Peter. It's not Moses. It's not John the Baptist. It's Mary. And not because of any sort of special merit of her own, but because she had the greatest mission, and she lived it. She had the greatest mission that's ever been given to a human being. So though I say we're sort of focusing on the Assumption today, I want to mention the Immaculate Conception because they go hand in hand. So Mary had the greatest mission, and so she had special graces for that mission. And so she was born without sin, conceived without sin, and lived her whole life that way, totally open to God's will, totally in unity with him. So that when the angel Gabriel came to tell her, you're going to be the mother of God, She was ready for that. Her whole life had been a preparation for that moment. She wasn't surprised by it at all. Her heart had been prepared. And I think this is exactly how God operates with each and every one of us. So God has a particular plan for all of your lives. Perhaps you're already living in the midst of it. Perhaps you're sort of wondering what that particular thing is. And he has given you very special graces just for that mission. You have received, and God wants to give you more, of the graces to live out the particular mission for your life. That every moment of your life, every suffering, no matter how terrible it seems, every joy, every sort of struggle or even temptation, and every sort of bright moment is a preparation for that mission is sort of equipping you and strengthening you for that moment. And Mary's the paradigm of that. She didn't have an easy life. She's the model for us, and we follow in her footsteps. You know, the first lines of the Magnificat, which is just an amazing proclamation, says this, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. It's hard for us to imagine how incredible this is, that God chose one of the the poorest, the lowliest, the most sort of simple and just normal of all women to be his own mother. And now all generations, everywhere you go, in in whatever time, Mary is called blessed. There's no one who's been depicted in amazing art anywhere in the world more so than Mary, except perhaps Jesus himself. 
She is truly our mother. And she knew Jesus more intimately than anyone else. Not, no one else was even close. And so if we want to know him, we come to know her. So as our feast day sort of so beautifully proclaims, Mary was at the end of her life, sort of assumed body and soul, into heaven. So she both points us to her, her son in this life and then reminds us of our destiny. She goes ahead so that we can sort of see the beauty and sort of amazing destiny of all of us. What do we know about heaven? What do we know for sure? We know that Mary is there with her son, Jesus, waiting for us and interceding on our behalf like all good mothers do. Now, I spent the last few days of this week uh, in Billings with my family, and I got a great meditation on the Blessed Mother. My sister has uh, a daughter who's almost one, Megan, and then little Mikey John, who's almost three. And so it's just a really high-maintenance time, especially when you're traveling. Uh, kids are just needy. And, you know, no matter what, no matter how sort of annoying and exhausted she was, no matter how much they just sort of called out randomly for her, even when they didn't even need her, she was never going to just not answer the call. She's their mom. Of course she's going to answer the call. You know, Megan is at this point in her life where she just eats everything all the time. She just wants to eat all day long. And, and Mikey doesn't want to eat at all. And so it's sort of like this horribly high-maintenance thing. And I was like, Megan just eats all day. What? What's up with that, Katie? She's like, yeah, I know. That's why we never get out, you know? She just eats all day long. That's how we do all day long. And she didn't say it with any sort of deep sort of dissatisfaction. She just said it, that's, what, that's where I'm at right now. That's what I'm doing. I'm feeding my kids all day long. And what a great meditation on our Heavenly Mother. You know, that's, that's Mary for us in heaven. She doesn't care how needy we are. She doesn't care what we're calling out for when we call out. She's our mother. So if you're wondering sort of how to move forward, if you feel sort of alienated from the Lord, go to your mother in heaven. And trust that she's going to, to lead you forward. Look to her day and night, and she will teach you to trust in her son's infinite love.